Hi, I'm Shashank Bhargav and you're listening to Three Things, the Indian Express news show. Last week, the Indian Express released the findings of a new investigation called the FinCEN Files. The investigation shows how dirty money travels from one part of the world to another through big banks. This investigation by the newspaper was in collaboration with 109 media organizations in 88 countries who had teamed up with BuzzFeed News and the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists or ICIJ which is an independent international network of investigative journalists. Indian Express has previously worked with ICIJ on major stories like the Paradise Papers, Panama Papers and Swiss Leaks. The latest FinCEN Files investigation examines what are called Suspicious Activity Reports or SARs. These are secret documents, which are essentially reports filed by banks to the top US financial watchdog for suspected money laundering, terrorism, drug dealing or financial fraud. Basically, any time a bank in the US finds a transaction that is highly suspicious, it is supposed to file a SAR with the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network or FinCEN, which is part of the US government's Department of Treasury. Before we go any further, just remember that these two abbreviations, SAR and FinCEN, will be used a lot in this episode. And we'll discuss them in detail later as well. But if you've missed what they mean, we would suggest that you go back and listen once again. Now, coming back to the FinCEN files, the investigation examined over 2,000 of these SARs filed between 1999 and 2017. And in it, the names of some of the world's biggest banks emerged. The investigation has revealed some major findings globally. For example, it surveyed Venezuelan tycoons who siphoned money from public housing and hospitals. It tracked tomb raiders who looted ancient Buddhist artifacts that were sold to New York galleries. And it explored scandals that crippled economies in Africa and Eastern Europe. In these files were also the names of 44 Indian banks. In this episode, investigative journalist Ritu Sarin, who was part of the FinCEN Files investigation, joins us to talk about its key findings and the lessons it holds for Indian banks. Ritu ma'am, could you first talk about what is the FinCEN Files investigation really about? So the FinCEN Files is a project we have done in a series of offshore investigations with the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists and BuzzFeed News. Uh, This is the largest project we have collaborated on in terms of the number of journalists involved. And I must say that it's very different from the previous ones. We began doing offshore investigations with ICIJ in 2013. And that investigation was offshore leaks. That one and the ones subsequent to that were all either about offshore holdings, offshore companies or bank accounts connected to Indian entities or individuals. Now, this one is not about only offshore holdings, though it gives hints about some of them. It is about what is called a SAR, which are held by uh, the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network or the FinCEN, which is in a sense the world's most powerful financial regulatory body. So the project is all about looking at these very secret reports which have never previously come out in such large numbers 
called the SARS. Yeah, and in your piece, you mentioned that these are so secret that even banks are not allowed to confirm that they even exist. So could you talk about in what cases, under what circumstances are they raised by the banks? So the FinCEN gives many guidelines for when and how a SAR should be initiated by banks. And they increase the list of filing authorities or reporting authorities. Over the years, they've done that. Like, for example, people didn't know that even casinos are supposed to file SARs. So it is not only banks, it is other financial institutions as well. Credit card companies are not supposed to file, but all other financial institutions, including all banks, are supposed to red flag. The key word here is red flag, because SARs are actually red flags. When they think it's a suspicious transaction, they are not proof of a suspicious transaction. So they are supposed to do this in five circumstances. The first is if there is negative media reporting on a particular entity or company or individual. You see a lot of that in the files that we have accessed. Two, if the transactions are being done at either end in a high-risk destination, a high-risk country, you know, so many countries are named in the SARS we have seen. So if what the bank feels is a high-risk destination. Three, if there are round-dollar payments, For instance, if in particular accounts, there are many multiple transfers of just $10,000 each over a period of time or in the course of a day or in the course of a week or a month, they are all described as round dollar payments, which is an indication that money is being transferred. You know, when you make any transfer, there are mixed amounts. So round dollar payments is also regarded suspicious in FinCEN guidelines. Fourthly, if there are PEPs involved, PEPs is a term we are now familiar with in offshore stories, that is politically exposed persons. That means transactions being done by politicians in any part of the world. And there's a fifth category, which is uh, more relevant to the US, and that is if if the transactions have violated the sanctions that US has been imposing on countries from time to time. So these are the five categories which if the bank spots any transaction that fits into any of these suspicious areas, they are supposed to report to the FinCEN in a prescribed format within 30 days. And what incentive does a bank have to raise these SARs? There are certainly no incentives, but the incentive is that they will not be penalized if they don't file the SAR. And it is found that suspicious transactions have gone through their branches. Uh, So the regulations are very strict. If there is a leakage of SARS, either to the people concerned or in any other circumstance, or if the FinCEN finds that suspicious activity has gone through a particular bank, then there are very, very heavy penalties imposed. There are no uh, rewards for them. The reward is not to get a penalty. Right. Okay. So at the heart of this investigation, there are these over... 2,000 SARs, these examples of red flags, these uh, suspicious transactions. How much worth of transactions are we talking about in these SARs? So the figure is over $2 trillion. Now, what I want to tell you is you have no idea of how much data scraping had to be done to put these figures together. And what I want to explain is a technicality here. And that is that a vast majority of the 2,121 SARS are in PDF format. 
but along with those sars in uh, many cases there are also attached files called the csv files now those csv files are actually uh, attachments to sars and they contain only transactions so not all sars have csv files but a lot of them do have so that is just a registry of transactions which are attached to some sars it is dense data that the uh, 200 journalists had to go through and then the icij prepared what is called country lists for all countries and i can tell you something about the india country list the india country list had uh, 3200 transactions which totaled 1.5 billion dollars right but there's a proviso here and the proviso is that these are only transactions uh, from the csv files where both ends of the banking transaction are complete and there is a complete address which is linked to india right so i'm repeating the figures 3201 transactions relevant to india uh, totaling 1.5 billion dollars but uh, this is only a fraction of indian connections in the fincen files because there are many other transactions it is possible that there is a transaction of an indian but the address given is of a company abroad so there would be thousands of other transactions but the typical india list where everything is complete and we have a indian address is 3200 so you know these sars like you mentioned earlier are just red flags as in the fact that an sar is being raised does not definitely mean that the transaction is illegal it just means that it potentially could be illegal so considering that and with so many sars being raised in connection with indian banks what is the big deal about it what is the significance of it good question uh, first it raises the very important question and doubt on whether our counterpart of fincen which is the fiu the financial intelligence unit which comes under the finance ministry another secret unit that works very quietly uh has been red flagging the same transactions because the transactions have an india end or bank branches or correspondent bank branches or foreign branches of india have been used for these transactions so in all these transactions there is an indian connection now has the fiu been red flagging these same very transactions to indian agencies which is their role right like the banks abroad in the us red flag transactions to the fincen banks in india red flag transactions to the fiu now have the thousands of transactions that have been listed for india also been red flagged by the fiu that is a very important question and the fiu should look at that the other thing is that many specific stories we have done give an indication or a suspicion of possible money laundering or round tripping for instance you have the bhushan steel story which talked about the possibility of nested transactions then you had the adani story that talks about a possible link to a shell company you had a story on subhash kapoor and antique dealing which talks about you know how the sale and smuggling of art is also a red flag in the business of suspicious transactions so these are the leads that are there in the stories we have published and as the enforcement director told me when the project was 2 3 days old uh, towards the beginning that 
these are some of the cases they are already looking at and what has appeared in the fincen files will give them leads for subsequent and follow up investigations dear listeners sorry for this interruption but before we move on to the rest of the show i just wanted your quick attention one of the big reasons people say they like this show is because it helps them understand the news better it provides them with the context they need to see the bigger picture and there is perhaps no other place that does that better than indian express's explained section we on three things refer to the section regularly and it helps us make this show if you're a regular reader of indian express you know how useful the explained section can be especially when you're looking for in-depth analysis by the right experts you can log on to indianexpress.com/explained and access the coverage 24/7 explained by indian express where news that matters is explained by experts who know the subject now back to the show so the thing that this investigation has really highlighted and come to question is the role of the big banks in trying to stop money laundering across the world could you talk about the name of some of the big banks involved especially the indian banks whose um, names have come up in these sars Yeah so first let me talk about uh, the foreign banks and the amounts are huge it is led by the Deutsche Bank uh, JP Morgan Chase Standard Bank Bank of New York Mellon Barclays HSBC and the amounts in the same order are uh, 1000 billion 500 billion 166 billion 64 billion 21 billion 4.48 billion uh, of transactions which have been flagged by them now in india we have a short list of about 44 banks where transactions have been red flagged and they include the punjab national bank the kodak mahindra bank the hfdc bank canara bank bank of baroda and there are others also you know there is the punjab national bank and several other banks so these are the banks whose branches have transactions which have been red flagged in fincen records so okay um here is the case where all these banks they know that these transactions are suspicious they are clearly red flagged by the banks so do the banks have the authority the power to stop a transaction like that because in an sar as i understand the transaction is still going on but you've just red flagged it and later on authorities can investigate it but do the banks themselves have the authority to stop a transaction which they understand to be highly suspicious that's a good question and uh, let me give you an example for example in transactions or in cases of entities who were allegedly violating sanctions imposed by the us uh, on countries like iran and syria i found lot of transactions that were blocked so obviously the banks have been alerted to violations of sanctions and they block transactions so they can block now a big question mark and that is endemic in the system of global financial regulations no organization or no regulator like the fincen or the fiu will talk about the impact of their sars of the impact of the red flags they have raised I forgot to tell you that while in the FinCEN you have SARs in India you have STRs. Now, how many STRs which are there in the FIU records have resulted in maybe prosecutions or resulted in penalties? We don't know. The FinCEN, like every other world financial regulatory body, never talks about the impact of the SARs. 
that is never done. So we, we don't know the end result of the red flags that have been raised. Now, could you talk a bit about the investigation itself? How did Indian Express get access to these files, these SARs? So the Indian Express has uh, been a partner of the ICIJ in India since 1999. That is the year I became a member. And uh, since 2013, things started getting very interesting because these global projects, these global offshore projects came up. And I have been uh, leading the team of reporters doing each of these projects. In 2013, we did the offshore leaks. Then we did the Swiss leaks. We did the Panama Papers. We did the uh, Paradise Papers. And we did the Mauritius leaks. And now the FinCEN files. So the FinCEN files began over a year ago. The ICIJ has said 16 months. So that is the time when we first heard about a project of this nature, 16 months ago. And uh, the ICIJ makes every media partner sign a, a formal agreement, you know, which basically states that uh, the final deadline will be decided by the ICIJ. And the main thing is that it should be collaborative. We are obliged and we are supposed to transfer leads onto other partners on the platform. So that's how it all began. And there was a meeting of the project in Hamburg this time last year. That was a year ago when we were given the bare bones of the project and there were many presentations and uh, we were told what the story is all about. So about 200 reporters attended the Hamburg meeting. There were two from the Indian Express, including me. And that is when we got to know about the project. COVID, of course, delayed the launch of the project. And uh, it was supposed to be launched much earlier in the middle of the year, this year. Finally, it is outed. So you're someone who has previously worked on the Panama Papers, the Paradise Papers. And so when we are talking about such investigations, including the Swiss leaks, what do all these investigations have in common with the FinCEN files? And to what extent does the FinCEN files add on to these previous investigations? So if you notice, the theme we have given our series is another whale lifts. So there has been a lot of transparency which has been brought in by projects like the Panama Papers. And you have seen how that impacted. When the Panama Papers happened, within a week of the story being launched, tax authorities and tax representatives from all over the world had meetings in Paris, I think. And Indian representatives from the Central Board of uh, Direct Taxes, CBDT, attended that meeting. So Panama Papers had such an impact, such a deep impact in terms of what tax authorities do, uh, that they met several times and they were goaded to you know, hurry up their investigations. And huge amounts of undeclared tax have been collected by each country, including India. Okay, so in this kind of a scenario, after this investigation, what lessons do you think Indian banks can learn from this? Uh, what lessons does it have for them? I think that will take time to play out. And we have to look for the signals very carefully. But the, the main lesson is that suspicious transactions are watched not only in India by our own agencies. They are also being tracked, traced, 
and recorded, now we realize, by the FinCEN, which is the most powerful regulator. That is the lesson. And what kind of government intervention do you think this kind of thing requires? Well, the heads of the special investigating team on black money, which was set up in 2014, the setting up of which was one of the first decisions of the Modi government, have already reacted. And both the chairman and the vice chairman gave their reaction to me and said they intend to have a meeting very shortly to discuss the revelations of the FinCEN files. But they also said that they want to do it after the agencies, which is basically the income tax investigation and the uh, enforcement directorate, have had some time to look at the revelations. So they didn't want to do it immediately. That is the impression I got. But shortly, they would be convening a meeting, possibly in Ahmedabad, uh, where this will be taken up. Okay, so I have one last question for you. Um, and I was struggling to kind of phrase it, which was basically that, you know, in, in this investigation, the transactions we are talking about are really huge. The banks we are talking about are really big. And I was wondering just how much does this affect like an average person? How much does this kind of money laundering, potential money laundering by these large banks affect like an average Indian person? Or does it? I think if you look at all the revelations, I'm talking about, say, maybe over a decade, and you've had WikiLeaks, you've had so many other media exposes in the meantime. Uh, I think holistically, financial transparency has come to stay. For the wrongdoers, it can only get worse. And for collaborative investigative journalists, it can only get better because the next revelation or the next project or the next collaboration may be round the corner. You were listening to Three Things by The Indian Express. Today's show was written and produced by me, Shashank Bhargav, and as always was edited and mixed by our producer, Joshua Thomas. Before we go, here's another reminder to check out Indian Express's Explain section. You can log on to indianexpress.com slash explain and find in-depth analysis by the right experts. It has everything you need to know to understand the news better and see the bigger picture. If you like this show, then you can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. You can also recommend the show to someone you think will like it, share it with a friend or someone in your family. It's the best way for people to get to know about us. You can also tweet us at Express Audio and write to us at podcast at indianexpress.com.